The ETC ETF Insiders Podcast takes you behind the scenes of the ETF industry. Here is your host. Welcome to Episode 8 of the ETC ETF Insiders Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda, and we are talking today about a topic that most of us may not think about on a regular basis, but the U.S. government and other Western governments have really turned their attention to and feel it is vital for economic and national security. We will be joined by Jerry Hicks, the CEO and director for Optica Capital, who recently launched the Rare Earths and Critical Metals ETF, symbol CRIT, C-R-I-T. Jerry is based in Perth, Australia, which is a world-leading center for the mining of numerous materials and minerals. Optica Capital has firsthand experience on of how the mining industry will help shape the future of the planet. Let's get started. Welcome, Jerry, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. All right, well, let's jump into it. I know you have extensive background in the metals industry. Can you tell us a little bit about your background, your time at the Perth Mint, and how you got involved in this part of the global economy? Sure. I've worked for several large London trading houses in various metals, such as steel, ferrochrome, ferrosilicon, and molybdenum. For the last 18 years, I've been based in Perth in Western Australia, selling physical gold and silver to central banks, bullion banks, trading houses, and high net worth individuals, including working at one of the world's largest gold refineries, the Perth Mint. It was whilst working at the Mint that I helped launch a gold ETF on the New York Stock Exchange, which introduced me to this fascinating and innovative industry. So what is the main theme that drove you to launch this fund? Well, we noticed that the American, Canadian and Australian governments and the European Union have all had separately published lists of what they consider to be critical minerals. That is, minerals that are critical to their own economic and national security. Our Rare Earths and Critical Materials ETF combines these lists of materials and has identified companies who are involved in the production, refining and recycling of these Rare Earths and Critical Materials. Currently, we have 51 companies listed on 13 bourses in our index, who we believe stand to benefit as governments seek to strengthen domestic supply chains for these minerals, and more broadly as the planet transitions to clean energy, which can only happen with these minerals. We believe that if the 19th century was a century of coal, and the 20th century the century of oil, then the 21st century will surely be considered as a century of clean energy. It is this thinking that inspired us to launch this fund. Very forward-thinking, that's for sure. So, what are rare earths and critical materials? Can you kind of give us a definition of them? Okay, well, it's back to your chemistry lessons of school now. <laughs> uh uh, Yeah, watch out. Uh, rare earths are a group of 17 silvery white heavy metal oxides, which, are, you know, they look similar, and they tend to be found together naturally. Whilst not rare as such in the earth, it's rare to find them in such concentration that it's economically viable to dig them up. Um, that's why they're called rare. Um, rare earths are part of the so-called critical materials which have been identified by the various governments I already mentioned, including the US Department of Interior and, um, and are, are very vital for the country's economic and national security due to their important and unique uses. So the key is you can find them in different places, but finding a concentration that's uh, deep enough to actually spend the money to mine and then be able to sell, that's where you get into the difficulties. That's the trick, exactly. 
So it kind of seems like the stuff you need the most, but you just can't get enough of. You got it. So I know the U.S. and other Western governments have gone so far as making them a priority and emphasizing their importance in national security. Can you talk a little bit about this? So in other words, why should we be so concerned with them? Great question. Um, from a national security standpoint, they're considered vital for the manufacture of many types of military equipment, you know, from submarines to fighter jets and laser-guided systems, really diverse range of technology. I mean, a sudden breakdown of supply could have really serious implications for a country to defend itself. They're also vital for innovation. These minerals are all at the forefront of technological re research and therefore potential future economic growth. And finally, many industries within a country would depend on a consistent and secure supply of these minerals, preferably domestically or from a reliable allied country, to ensure the smooth running of their manufacturing plants. Any potential disruption to supply is a real concern. But the main concerning factor is that many of these minerals come from countries that you might not prefer to deal with due to environmental concerns, political issues, or logistical matters. In recent weeks, we've seen how the Russia-Ukraine conflict has impacted the price of nickel. However, when you know that Russia is responsible for only 15% of global nickel production, whereas the Democratic Republic of Congo is responsible for over 70% of global cobalt production, and China responsible for over 60% of rare earth production, and almost 90% of rare earth refining, it's easy to understand government concerns. Recall also that China has previously threatened Japan with cutting off rare earth supply, and in the past has also enforced export quotas to the rest of the world. Make no mistake, rare earths and critical material supply can be weaponized by a nation if they have sufficient global control on a the mineral. Therefore, one of the main drivers for the critical materials list published by Western governments is to ensure security of supply going forward. We've all seen during COVID how vulnerable supply chains are to disruption. Online orders from overseas took far longer to be delivered. Expand this thinking and your experience to imagine a national level and you can begin to understand the importance of secure supply chains and how easily they can be disrupted for a country. You know, this fragility of supply chains and importance of critical materials has even caused both the former Trump and current Biden administrations to focus on ensuring secure supply. And they've uh, enacted policies to encourage domestic uh, supply and refining. And it's not often you find that Trump and Biden will agree on anything, but on this matter, <laughs> they both, um, they're both very much on the same page. So it is definitely of, of critical importance. And I know we um, were kind of naive to supply chain issues before COVID and after COVID, it really hit home. And when you start, um, you know, kind of parsing that out to various industries, it really does make sense to to try and figure out a way to avoid it as best you can. Yeah, you don't really realize until suddenly the, the problems kick in and the supply is delayed. And this is it's really kicked in the last few years, I think. And these are components that are actually used to make things that we need every single day. And if you can't get those components, you can't make the parts, and then therefore you can't make the product that we all rely on. That's right. I mean, every everyone listening to this podcast will be using a speaker, be it in their headphones or in their, their phone or on their laptop. All speakers are made from magnets, and the magnets are made from rare earths. And pe people don't realize just how vital they are. The screen on your phone, your laptop, 
Um, your computer is made from rare earths. All the, all the tech that you, you enjoy, all the portable tech with batteries within them as well, all from rare earths and critical materials. So you can well imagine how vital they are. I know. I believe I read somewhere that iPhones use like 14 different critical metals. And then what would we do without our iPhones? That's uh, scary. <laughs> it's not, it's, it's a, a life I don't want to consider. No, I with, I'm with you. Well, um, on a similar but um, I guess different side of the rare earths and critical materials, they are also vital components of green technology. So which green technologies are they used in and what specific items are needed to make these? Well, for example, many rivers are used to make powerful magnets, which are used to make the motors in electric vehicles and wind turbines. Lithium, nickel, and cobalt are used in uh, EV batteries. Vanadium is used for renewable energy storage. Aluminium, or however you pronounce it uh, over in the States, is used to make wind turbine structures and blades. And along with copper, is used to transmit energy from where it is generated to where it is used. You know, remember all this clean energy being produced wherever it is has to be distributed and transmitted to where it's going to be consumed. And this is not going to be possible without huge amounts of copper and aluminium. Whilst rare earths and critical materials are the ingredients to allow us to make the transition to clean energy, listeners need to be aware that clean energy itself is very mineral intensive. For example, an EV requires six times the mineral inputs to produce in comparison with a conventional car. An onshore wind farm requires nine times the mineral input than a comparable gas-fired power station. So the mineral intensity for production of clean energy compared to conventional energy is significantly higher. Therefore, demand for rare earths and critical materials through this transition to clean energy is expected to cause an ever-increasing demand for many years to come. I think everyone listening will agree that the transition to electric vehicles is unstoppable. All vehicle manufacturers plan to switch exclusively to EV production in the next five to 10 years. So just consider the resultant demand from the EV sector. Um, in terms of wind farms, China just announced a new single wind farm, which will have the same power generation as 40% of the entire US wind farm output. So just imagine that, just from one single wind farm they're developing. Imagine wow. the minerals they'll need. Uh, for that. Therefore, the demand for these critical materials is predicted to grow significantly in the coming years, particularly given um, government policies as countries aim to meet and surpass emissions targets. So the demand for these rare earths and critical materials is only going up as we switch to green technology. Kind of like you said, it, we're, we're switching between different ones. And as you do, there's going to be more of a demand put on them. That's right. This green technology does come at a price, and that's the amount of minerals you need. But, but the thing is, once you've, you've um, got them out of the ground, you can use them, and there'll be no further emissions, and they can be recycled. And Whereas once, if you get some oil out of the ground, you burn it and it's gone. Exactly. But once you've got these minerals out of out the ground, and they can be used and recycled, and then that's... That's done. The future is uh, in your hands. Used again and again. So you've um, kind of spoken about this expected future demand of rare earths and critical materials, but what are the main issues regarding the supply side of it? Well, this is a subject um, very timely, only now getting the attention it deserves. It seems every other day there's another announcement regarding the construction of a massive battery gigafactory which is all very well until you wonder where are all the minerals required to produce the batteries? Where are they going to come from? 
Recent reports indicate that none other than Elon Musk has locked in long-term supply of nickel for his car batteries at preferential prices. But uh, only last week, I think actually, actually it was just Saturday in April 2022, Musk also tweeted about the potential for Tesla to purchase a major lithium producer given surging lithium prices of late and predicted long-term shortages. Indeed, some lithium analysts have been saying for some time that such a strategy is the only way to guarantee supply for uh, automakers and all the all big auto firms will have to go down this route. I mean, really, this is a case of history repeating itself. Back in the 1920s, Henry Ford realized that one of the major factors reducing the potential for him to sell his cars was the restricted supply of rubber, of all things, which meant he was unable to source enough tires for his cars. Now, to solve this issue, he developed a massive rubber plantation in South America. Now, car manufacturers are typically not keen on developing or buying upstream assets and have no experience in the mining field. It's not difficult to see the valuations of some of the stocks within our crypt fund benefiting from speculation on such a strategic move due to the shortages long term of the minerals the EV industry will need. Now, in, the, in, the, uh, in addition to that, and despite supportive policies to encourage domestic mining and processing, it can take a very long time to develop a greenfield site from surveying and drilling through to being fully operational and producing. Typically, this process can take seven to 10 years or more. Increasing environmental concerns can make this process even longer or even halt a planned mine altogether. Recently, mining giant Rio Tinto had to cancel its proposed lithium mine in Serbia due to local environmental concerns, and several projects in the US have been cancelled for the same reason. So you have, a, you have a situation where demand is ever increasing, but the potential to grow the supply is extremely limited. These are all, of course, very positive themes for the constituents of our crypt ETF. So as it relates to demand, it just seems like you really have to be forward thinking in what you're going to need and then start planning ahead to make sure you've got adequate stores of it. So companies and governments really do have to get on the ball and, and start thinking of this, which then, of course, is beneficial to the CRIT ETF. Absolutely. So where are most of these rare earths and vital materials found and how does that translate to your index composition? Well, rare earths and critical materials are distributed around the world and can be mined in such diverse places as Myanmar and Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, our crit fund methodology carefully considers the country of listing of each stock to ensure the highest levels of financial and environmental reporting. Currently, 29% of the index assets are located in the US, in part as a result of the large aluminium and copper producers located there. A further 17% of our investments are located in South Africa as a result of its geological strength in platinum and palladium production. Given China's dominance in the rare earth industry, it's not surprising they have a strong weighting of 16% in our index, albeit via Hong Kong-listed stocks. Resource economies like Australia, Canada and Chile together account for an additional 29% of stocks in our index. Given the growing investments in the sector in these three countries, it's not difficult to imagine this share of the index growing strongly in the future. Commodities from these, these three countries include rare earths, lithium, and copper. So it sounds like you've got a diverse allocation across uh, multiple countries. So describe the index and how it's constructed. Um, can you give an example of a company that's in your index? 
Sure. So right now, the CRIT index consists of 51 stocks in 13 countries and is rebalanced every six months. We look for stocks which are either derive or expected to derive at least 50% of their revenue from the production, refining or recycling of rare earths and critical materials. We also have further hurdles regarding the liquidity of each stock and various financial performance requirements, as well as considering the exchange where the specific stock was listed before the stock can be approved for inclusion in our index. An example of a company which is currently in our index is aluminium producer Alcoa Corp. Um, they've got a, a forward PE ratio of 6.7, and, and this valuation marks a discount compared to its industry average of 10.2. Alcoa currently holds an index weighting of 4.45% in our CRIT ETF. I mean, the reason it's in there is because we believe that demand for aluminium will continue to grow given the energy efficiencies of this light and strong metal. Its use in wind turbine construction and EVs and in power transmission. And as I said before, remember all of this clean energy that's being generated, it's got to be transmitted to where it's going to be used. And this is very positive for aluminium and copper. That's really interesting. So where do you see uh, the CRIST ETF fitting into an investor's portfolio? Well, given that 58% uh, exposure to developed countries and, of course, balance 42% to developing countries split in our index, this gives investors a broad exposure to both types of economies. The growth theme of clean energy is also compelling for green and technology-minded investors. Yeah, so these these elements are critical because of scarcity, and this combined with anticipated growth and demand makes these higher-valued elements experience price performance. So it's it's really a, an interesting fund, that's for sure. So um, this you. has really been an interesting topic, and I, for one, have really enjoyed broadening my understanding of rare earths and critical materials. So in closing, we always like to ask our guests if they remember their first-paying job and what was it. Okay, well, I was a paper boy. I've always been a morning person, so getting up early to deliver papers was never a problem for me, even as a young uh, young adult. And I could walk my dog at the same time, so that, that was my first job, and I, I didn't mind it at all. Oh, I love it. So did you ride your bike, or did you walk your paper out? Well, I, walk, walk, I walked around with my dog, and um, I could do it almost half asleep. Uh, I, knew, <laughs> I knew exactly where I was going for each house. That's wonderful. We find so many of the people we interview are self-starters at a very young age. So that's it's a really fascinating question for us. So I think that okay. should do it for us today. Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you'd like to learn more about the Rare Earths and Critical Materials ETF, symbol CRIT, or view the fund's prospectus, you can go to their website, CRITETF.com, or call one 833 3442748. You can also learn more about ETC by going to our website, exchangetradedconcepts.com. See you next time. An investment in the fund involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Investors should consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses carefully before investing. For a prospectus or summary prospectus with this and other information about the fund, please visit the fund's website. Read the prospectus carefully. This fund is distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company.